So hello and welcome to the Expat Pod. My name is James, your host, and today I'm joined by Alexandra, who we actually met helping me move uh, country when I was working at Polestar. So I don't know if you want to give a short introduction for yourself. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, my name is Alexandra, and just like you said, James, I basically work uh, helping uh, people and their families move countries or um, so move to Sweden or actually move back to their home country depending on so yeah very uh, very interesting <laughs> and where is it you've lived yourself yeah so I myself I lived in San Francisco it was a while back now it was 2014 to 15 I was there for eight months um, it was for school but not university it was I chose to move and then like do English uh, courses uh, for eight months um, and then a while back so it was 2018 I actually went to Taiwan uh, for a semester abroad so it was a part of my um, bachelor's uh, program we could do either you know a semester somewhere else in Sweden or abroad it could be an internship or school so I I did university uh, in Taiwan for a semester which was great thank you for that and we'll get into the podcast then So hello and welcome to section one of the podcast. This is all about getting there. So you said you've kind of lived in California and you've also lived in Taiwan. So yeah, please expand about those two experiences. You know, what was the reason for going? How did you get there? And what was it, you know, what was it like actually doing it really? Yeah, so very, very different experiences. Um, When I decided to move to San Francisco, everything was with very short notice. So I was studying... Um, at university here I didn't really know if that's what I wanted to do I wanted to do something very different so I was researching sort of okay uh, moving to the states for a semester a couple of months so I applied I actually it's like a private not university but they help you sort of move uh, for uh, language research so that's why I did it so I contacted ES then um, let them know that hi, I'm really interested in moving. I would like to move to San Francisco. I would like to be gone for longer than six months. Uh, what are the next steps? So I had a call um, and a meeting, and they explained me a little bit how it works. So a week later, I had to the deposit basically, <laughs> which you needed to do so they could help you um, sort of secure your tickets. And nobody knew, so I didn't tell my parents. I came. A week later, hi, I paid a deposit. I'm moving in September, and this was around April. Um, so they were great in helping me sort of explaining what I needed to do. So it was booking a time with the embassy because you needed a student visa. So everything was very, I just need to do it really, really quickly because the waiting time to even get an appointment with the um, U.S. embassy in Sweden was three months. And then you needed to go up to Stockholm for an interview. And I made it quite easy for myself because the school did help you with accommodation slightly. You could choose if you wanted to be in um, student housing. Did you want to be with a host family? Did you want to search for something on your own? I wanted the full experience. So I decided to go with, with a host family. So everything was matched for me. 
So when I, you know, I had my flight tickets on this day, this was the time. Um, I had, you know, my host mom picking me up from the airport. Uh, so everything was very laid out. And then at EF, so the school, they had the itinerary ready for me um, when I actually arrived. So it was a very quick process, uh, very spontaneous. yes. Uh, but the reason going was really because I didn't know what I wanted to study here. And rather than wasting my time, not really wasting my time, but just sitting here, I wanted to do something very, very different. And I'm very happy that I did because I speak, you know, English every single day in my profession now. And I do think that it helped me. Um, so, you know, from that side, I think it was great that I did. I loved it. And then on the other hand, Sorry. Yeah, I went when I went to Taiwan, it was very different because that was through uni. So my university here in Sweden had um, partner university all across the world. Uh, so the initial sort of destination for me was that I wanted to go to Canada. I was very sad on Canada and I was so with my friends, my best friend. Now we met through um, uh, uni. We're like, we're going to Canada, we're going to Calgary, we're, you know, it was, everything was very sad. Um, and then there was a little bit of a mix up. So you had, you know, you could rank your top three choices. And our second one was Taiwan. It was very random. We're like, we j we'll just take something we don't even know what it is. So when we found out sort of that, you know, if you do want to go together, you'll have to split up. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. I live in the States. It's quite similar I would think so let's do something very different uh, so we ended up getting spots with uh, Taichung University um, a really big city and the school helped us with getting us the spot where we had to do all the paperwork on our own so this school reached out requesting you know forms um you also needed to provide it was very different but like vaccinations from when you were a kid uh, you had to get vaccinated for yeah for things before you actually for you to even enter um the, the country so it was like hepatitis a b um something else so you had it was also quite a quick process but it was a lot more things to do on your own and then there i think we also got you know we could get, you know, in Sweden, you can get governmental funding when you study. So uh, we could get that. And also we applied for a scholarship because we were moving quite far away. And housing, we we found everything on our own. So we, we did Airbnb for those six months we were gone. It was actually very, very smooth. Had a great apartment. Amazing. It was quite fun to be in Airbnb for that long because they're usually quite nice. And um yeah, well-maintained as opposed to like a hostel for six months would be a different experience. Yeah, it was, we, we lucked out, I would say. Definitely lucked out. We were quite far away from the university, but it didn't, you know, just we were in the city center, a really big city as well. So we were incredibly happy, <laughs> I would say. And what were you studying uh, to be able to move to Taiwan? Was it language again or...? So I did uh, my bachelor's, uh, I did within international politics and economics. So it was quite limited depending on what you wanted to do, but we decided to do international business administration uh, when we went there. So we got sort of that aspect of it as well. 
uh, it was a great thing to just really hop in within my education. You could choose almost anything. It's like we could do language uh, that this made the most sense. And I think that in Taiwan, a lot of the schools are um, very geared towards finance or business administration. So uh, more in that side rather than what I studied more, which was, you know, human rights, immigration, uh, sustainability. So it was more geared toward that side. But I feel like it was such a good compliment now, like looking back on it, I'm very happy, happy that I chose that. Completely. And um, I'm assuming your course was in English when you were in Taiwan or was it in another language? Maybe it wasn't Swedish, but... It was it was in English, so we we wanted to do it was Mandarin, but it was a little bit. It's it's such a difficult language. It's very different. Um, so we did everything in English. We we decided that it would be it would be best to focus on one thing for those six months. Yeah, having uh, worked for a, a Chinese car company before going into the kind of Geely family, I was exposed to more uh, Mandarin, and it was yeah impossible i think i have a business card still with my name in in mandarin on and i have no idea what it says well it says james doran but i don't know the the actual <laughs> way of saying it it might say something really rude but i had to visit like a local health clinic in taiwan and i was like can you please fill out my like insurance form which i need to bring to sweden in english he was like yeah yeah absolutely fine and then he started and then they're like Last half is all like in Mandarin. I was like, you know, I'll, I wouldn't even submit it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll, you know, Google Translate it. You just hover over with your with the phone. No, even that doesn't work. Yeah. It's usually my get out clause. But have you kind of lived anywhere else or been anywhere else? Was it just obviously Sweden, Taiwan, and California? Not that that's not a smaller map. Yeah, living uh, has been the three of those. I traveled quite a bit when I lived in Taiwan it was very easy to get around within Asia and then obviously my parents are from Serbia so I never lived there but summers were spent almost you know when we were younger it was up to 10 weeks at a time so uh, I do have a different culture sort of uh, in my roots basically. So you know that Djokovic fan then? Yeah yeah I think you have to be. <laughs> I think it would be bad if I weren't. I don't really like him that much. I respect him, but he annoys me as a character. Yeah. Yeah, but he's a little, little bit arrogant, if I do say so myself. But I mean, well well deserved, at least. Unless you have anything more, more to kind of bring with the kind of getting there, we can move to the next section. Hey, so welcome to section two of the expat pod, all about being there. So, Alexandra, you mentioned that you've lived in California, in San Francisco, and also Taiwan. Obviously, they must be quite different experiences coming from Sweden. What was your first impressions of each place? Obviously, you were much younger when you went to California than you were to Taiwan, so maybe you had a different outlook on life, and if that changed as you kind of got older and started your degree. So it'd be quite interesting to understand, you know, when you took off, got off the plane, what did you first think when you, when you arrived in each location? Yeah, so I was definitely, I was 20, I think, when I moved to um, San Francisco and I moved all alone. So I, you know, decided to do do it myself. I was so jet lagged and so overwhelmed when I got picked up at the airport 
that, you know, I, I don't even, I can't remember the first day, but I do remember the second day. When I was heading to school, there was this Starbucks right around the corner and my dad called. He was like, hi, how's it going? I was so overwhelmed. I started crying. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> like, where am I going? Um, and he was like, okay, calm down. Um, but when I sort of walked into the school, um, so I think it's very different because people, everybody is basically in the same situation. So some had been there a couple of weeks, um, some had been a couple of months, some were like totally fresh. So because it was, everybody was foreigners, basically, um, I felt that that sort of eased my mind a little bit and you could get uh, some advice from people who, who had already been there for a while. Um, so you didn't really feel alone. Everybody was in the same boat. And then obviously, you know, people who had lived there for a little longer had, you know, made some American friends. It was just a lot easier to integrate. But I would say that very different because when I moved to Taiwan, I moved with my friend. So from uni, so we did it together. Um, and we spent a month in Bali before. But that experience was also quite different because I don't very food poisoned in Bali. So my first week in Taiwan, I was, I didn't go anywhere. So she did everything. She located like the bus to school, but very different in terms, I would say everything. Uh, I was more overwhelmed in the States. But then when I moved, you know, to Taiwan, I was a bit older. So I was more secure. Uh, I think even if I would have moved alone to Taiwan, I would have been a little bit more confidence. You'd already done it. You sort of know what you expect. But in terms of, you know, the experience around it, I would say that San Francisco, I would say that mindset is more close to a European mindset and to a Swedish one. I do find, you know, I did find that people were incredibly friendly, in my opinion, much more open than maybe people in Sweden, you know. People strike up uh, conversations on buses and trams and subways. You know, if you didn't have your headphones plugged in, somebody could just walk right by you and like strike up a conversation like, hi, how are you doing? Uh, where are you heading to? Just very random, very open. And in Taiwan, it's a different culture, different kinds of people. Uh, we still had quite a lot of expats um, within our courses and at the uni, but you know, a lot of local people, uh, not that many tourists where we actually were. So you were a little bit more immersed into the Taiwanese culture and people were so friendly, like incredibly friendly, a little bit more shy, but super nice, you know, obviously a little bit more of a language barrier, but people found, you know, ways to show you around and where you should go, what you should eat, what you should try more curious I would say I was equally as curious as somebody who met us on the street you know like a local person so I think very two different experiences one I did on my own very young and then one uh with a friend when I was a little bit more confident I would say yeah it's uh interesting point to make uh I also went to America when I was 20 I turned 21 there so it's quite fun <laughs> but um I went to do a camp America thing <laughs> I just taught uh, kids to go car in the summer, which was quite interesting, and then went, went then I went traveling. Obviously, not not for any educational purposes, but more for just to do something in the summer, in between my uh, engineering degree. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said, it was. I went to New York, um, which is obviously a, a huge city, 
but if you compare like London, which is also a big city, it feels like Sweden where people don't really communicate on the bus or on the tube unless you're, you know them prior, um, which is kind of like Sweden where I saw a meme actually last week of like, you know, you're Swedish if you sit on the bus to the side and don't let anyone sit next to you. And like, I was like, this is actually so true. Yeah. And it's interesting how like it's the complete opposite in the States because they're obviously also uh, charismatic, probably is a best description of them in terms of like yeah. being so wanting to, to uh, converse with everyone and have a relationship in some way. We think Swedes do the opposite of that. They have fewer relationships, but probably much deeper relationships, which are quite difficult to comprehend initially. If you're moving, I guess for you as a student, it, maybe it's a bit easier because you know you're moving with lots of other students you moved alone but you you weren't alone in that sense because maybe five or six other people moved from other parts of europe or other parts of uh, the americas or you know asia or australasia or somewhere so you had a mutual kind of situation where you're all in this place and you're all from somewhere else which is really quite nice it is quite nice but it's like you say that i still and I feel it as well, you know, coming to the States, it was very different because I am one of those people that in, in some situation, but I have a close, you know, small group. Um, but it's like you said, you know, people are, I think, quicker in the States. People were quicker, even Americans I met to be, you know, oh, we're having a barbecue. Like my family's having a barbecue. Why don't you come with us? Or we're having dinner, you know, me and my family and a couple of friends. Um, I feel like that was more of a reoccurring thing there. It was more common to just invite this random girl who has been in here two weeks to, you know, go out to dinner with family and friends. I do feel a little bit like that's not really the case here in Sweden. Some It depends. Um, but I'm also, you know, I was born and raised in Sweden and then have a different culture in the background. So even in Serbia, it would be more like the United States that you would invite, you know, people especially new people. Uh, so it's, it's quite interesting to see how it differs. It's an interesting point you mentioned about the kind of Serbian heritage. Uh, how, how was that growing up? Because obviously when I was working in Sweden, I, I noticed there was a lot of people from the Balkan region because of obviously uh, what happened before the millennium, which is obviously the, yeah. not a very nice thing, but meant a lot of migration to Sweden happened from Croatia, you know, um, Serbia, Bosnia, etc. Do you notice the difference uh, in growing up in a Serbian household but in Sweden versus a Swedish household? Or is it not so much because of your generation? I think it's definitely a little bit of both. You know, my so both my mom and dad are from the Balkans, but, you know, mom was born in Sweden and then my dad, he came here when he was 18. You know, my grandparents came before them. And yes, I do. I do think, I think I get the best of both worlds a little bit in terms of, you know, having different cultures, I definitely uh, immersed myself into the Swedish culture, um, you know, traditions and customs and culture-wise. But I also have, I think, a different openness um, in the back of my mind a little bit as a person. And I do believe that that is a little bit and has to do with having, you know, parents that aren't Swedish in that sense. So on the one hand, I have, you know, I have my group of friends that I've known for for so long, but then also I think I am very open in general when I meet new people. 
I, I think so. I'd like to think so. I hope so. But I think also it's a combination of, you know, being a person who's lived abroad. It must help with your job. Yes, it does. And I think it's a combination of having, you know, um, two growing up in two cultures and then also being being a person who's lived abroad in different cultures. So I think I do believe that I am a little bit more open, you know, so love a reserve. I think everybody is and should be, but um, more open to, you know, inviting other people, especially when I've been in the similar situation before. And kind of going back to your time in California and Taiwan then, just to go back to the being there part of the podcast. What was it like culturally? Obviously, you mentioned the friendliness of America versus the, uh, Sweden and obviously the huge different culture in Taiwan. What was it like in terms of how did you get on with the different cuisines? Obviously, the language barrier in Taiwan might have been significantly higher. You said that you found ways to kind of breach that. What were those ways? Um, like I said, that people might move to other countries where English or their own language isn't widely spoken, so they might need some assistance in order to communicate with people in a non-verbal sense i mean cuisine wise um it was very different in taiwan uh, i'm not gonna lie i'm quite the picky eater so it was definitely you know especially if you can't read the menu if there's not i mean in many places because it was such a big city it didn't say in english underneath but there were places where you know it was only taiwanese and i did not know what it was i was ordering so we did actually end up doing a lot of cooking on our own evenings, but it was also a way for me and my friend to sort of hang out. So we would, you know, come back from uh, classes. Um, it was quite a long commute time from school. It was 75 minutes one way. Um, you know, went to the market, bought fresh produce, grade food, and then cook. And then we would go out. So, uh, but in terms of, you know, being understood, a lot of pointing, a lot of pointing or uh, trying to, you know, have the, have the apps where you speak and it speaks, you know, it translates, which doesn't always work, but a lot of, a lot of pointing on, on maps. Uh, and I do remember it was our second week. We found a sushi place. So we were like, great, we'll go grab some sushi. And then you come there and everything is like a Mandarin. Like you, you can't read anything. I was like, okay, I, and there are no photos of nothing so you don't know if it's salmon if it's tofu if it's shrimp what is it then it's like okay well we'll just have to try to sort of google our way around and that's even harder we lucked out because there was a woman that heard that you know we we didn't understand anything and she actually knew english so she was like let me know what it is you want to eat and i'll go ahead and order it for you uh, so she helped us but it was you know a lot of like showing photos like do you have chicken <laughs> Do you have rice? Like, do you have vegetables? So a lot of a lot of just like photos with everything. But it was, you know, you kind of learn. Uh, it's a good learning experience on how to um, get, move around when you mm -hmm. don't have, you know, the language at all. We didn't have it at all. We could say hi and thank you, and that was, you know, that was it. Did you did you finish knowing a lot more or knowing much Mandarin when, when you when you came back? No, to, I'm sorry to say it's horrible, but no, I knew, you know, I would try to pick up, you know, sentences and then we thought we would nail it. And then the driver or whoever would look at us and like, what, what are you, where are you talking about? <laughs> We're like, you know, probably the same, probably. It's definitely one of the. I mean, that's how I feel with Swedish. 
Yeah, that's also, but that's a Swedish is also quite different in its own own way. I, I've heard people say, but I I would like to think that you know Swedish is slightly easier. It depends. It depends on where you are in Sweden as well. We have a lot of accents here. I think it also depends on what language you're coming from as well. Uh, if it's the same alphabet system or not. Because I learned a lot of German before moving to Sweden. And it reads very similar. Um, Swedish and German. I think it's got a similar kind of base. Obviously, the pronunciation is completely different, which is what kind of threw me off. Because you have random sounds like hu, which I'd never heard of before. And then my my friend uh, from the Netherlands, he went into in Coop or somewhere to get some food. And he didn't really eat much meat. Yeah. And he knew the word for meat was shot. So he thought not shot was not meat, but it's beef. Um, so he was like, well, I come home and I huh? bought beef. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is not shot. So it should be not meat, um, <laughs> which was quite, well, we, all, we all found it funny at the time, but it was, yeah. A, a lesson was learned that day. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. But that, that's how you learn, you know? Yeah, from many mistakes of your friends and hopefully not some mistakes of your own there. So anything else from your experiences of, of, of both countries did you would you would you go back would you go back to, to visit or stay um you know what would you recommend someone doing if they were moving to either of those places i would visit the states um again i would definitely visit and explore um and i would go back to san francisco for you know a vacation i think i don't think i would necessarily move back um at this point on the other hand, surprisingly enough that if, you know, I can definitely move back to Taiwan. It, yeah, it was such a good experience and just climate wise, you know, the weather uh, really warm all year round. People are so friendly. I feel that it's a less, where maybe we lived in a dream world, but a less stressful life. Um, I like the States, but I do find that it is very Western and I did feel if I can say it, happier in Taiwan um, in, in a lot of ways. I definitely think that people should pay, you know, a couple of extra minutes to just search a little bit about the place you're moving to just to get really immersed in how is the culture. I didn't know anything about either places. So I learned, um, but I think that if I would move anywhere now, I would just do a little bit more research Um Culture-wise, um, also, you know, with admin stuff. So what do you need to to be there? Uh, how does the system work? Especially coming from Sweden, we have quite a solid, you know, social security system. So I think those things, especially if you're moving long-term and not just, you know, for four to six, seven months, I definitely think a little bit more research is very important, uh, especially nowadays. Yeah, I think also Sweden is very bureaucratic in certain senses. A lot of... Uh paperwork to fill out and a lot of forms to to tick before you can get things like a bank account or a swish which is yeah the lifeblood of sweden that's like you need that so much <laughs> some of the countries maybe don't have that same barrier I, I did find it quite stressful for a few months of when i first moved i was like right well i haven't got any way of paying for stuff <laughs> so yeah i mean when you have your personal number in sweden everything will be so much easier but like you said it is it is definitely a process that a lot of people do find stressful which i completely get 
on the other hand, for me, when I lived in the States, like opening up a bank account was super stressful. And there was no no directions on what you needed and how to do it. And would you walk into the bank, you couldn't get an appointment. So I was, you know, I put my hand up. I was, you know what, I'll do without. I'm fine. I'll, I'll use my, you know, Swedish card. And then same in Taiwan. I mean, getting a SIM card uh, with the data on your phone. Nobody could explain like the different plans. Like in Sweden, you have a subscription of different kinds or, you know, a prepaid one. Here, it was like, and it's it was so hard to find something that could explain. So we use Wi-Fi hotspots. I was without, you know, 4G for six months, which was a struggle if you were in the middle of nowhere, couldn't call an Uber, anything to pick you up. But we lesson learned a couple of times. So there were different, I think that, in time, it was more language barrier um, that sort of did it, made it difficult. And then the States, it was just also a little bit of a mess everywhere. It just felt so confused. So I was, you know, I'll, I'll do, I did a SIM card. I had US number, but anything else I just left. Yeah, I think the US is often they're going in about 110% the entire time. Everyone is so busy. Everyone's always working so hard. Whereas being in Sweden, people work hard, but people go home at really early. They you know, prioritize their family, they prioritize vacation, they prioritize skiing more than more than most things or being on a boat. Like that's the two things, depending on what weather what the weather is, if you go skiing in the winter and go boating or sailing in the summer. Whereas the US they don't really have yeah. that time to do either. You know, they have Thanksgiving, they have all these amazing holidays where they spend with family. But the vacation time I think is a lot less and people will work maybe sixty hours a week as opposed to in Sweden it's forty and that's it which is a lot better for your long-term health and long-term mental health, I think. Yeah, I think work-life balance in Sweden is completely different. And I find it so interesting because I help people move to Sweden. So I learn so much about, you know, work culture, any that's related to anything, basically, social security systems, how it works in different countries. And many times I find myself thinking, you know, we have it so pretty good in Sweden like you said you you have your 20 25 30 vacation days per year uh you you know you do your seven to four or eight to five you prioritize a little bit differently and the system prioritizes you know family and healthcare a little differently I would say I learned so much about how it works um in other countries and uh that's also a very valuable lesson for me What's the most interesting country you've learned about then uh, in your job? Because that's quite an interesting topic. What what are a few countries would you think uh, that's, they do things completely different? Honestly, I think it was the States. I don't know why, but I thought that the States were, you know, so um, past everybody else in terms of different things. But I mean, I learned so much about, you know, parental leave, how actually short it is, um, you know, vacation days. Even Australia, I learned that, you know, if you have, what was it, 15 vacation days, that was, you know, if you had 20, it was a luxury, but 15 was like also really good. I was like, 15, that's, you know, half of, yeah, that's half of what we have in Sweden. So I think I was, you know, very, very shocked to hear that. Uh, Never, never thought that. I thought it was actually quite more similar to Sweden um, in terms of those stuff. So, you know, pretty developed countries. And I just, yeah, it was a bit of a shock. It was a bit of a shock, actually. 
Perfect. Well, I think, is there anything else you want to add around um, kind of being in either, either country? I, I would say that, um, you know, don't romanticize the States, um, but people are a lot more friendlier, especially in San Francisco, uh, which, you know, if you're keen on building relationships, that is great for you. Uh, in Taiwan, I would say that side, you know, language will be a barrier, but it's not, you know, you'll you'll make do like you'll everything will be completely fine. Uh, you'll learn ways to communicate. <laughs> well, we can put it into section two and go into section three. So welcome to section three of the podcast, <laughs> all about. I guess it's a kind of a review of your time. So also in- includes some advice you want to give, but um, I think we've touched on a few things already uh, in terms of advice uh, in, in the kind of previous section, which has been great. And I'm so appreciative of, you know, you kind of doing that. So it's now a much shorter section, um, which is also you know great, but mainly kind of leaning into what you do for, for a career. Advice is probably one of your most useful kind of, uh, well, for my experience of working with you, the advice you gave was what was useful for me in terms of helping me move, especially with a lot of the specifics with regards to like closing my pension and, you know, trying to make sure I have a uh, bank ID for as long as possible, which I still have, etc. So I'd wonder if you could I know, share some advice from leaving Sweden what advice would you give someone who wanted to leave Sweden uh, and explore somewhere else? It could be Taiwan, it could be um, America, it could be anywhere in the world, but for anyone who wants to, you know, leave either. I mean, things work very differently in Sweden. If a, I feel like if a Swede would, you know, move for the first time somewhere, um, the system is a lot different. We... Swedish people take a lot of things for granted. Uh, personal number, bank IDs, all the things we we have. Um, and this will be a little bit of a shock, I think. Um, and, you know, for somebody, I would just say that it's, it isn't, you know, it is quite stressful moving. It doesn't matter if you choose Sweden or from Sweden as a Swede. Um, uh, things just don't work the same. Uh, and my biggest advice for anybody, you know, moving from Sweden to another country or to Sweden uh, is to read up on things that you would need either prior to moving uh, or actually in the country and how those processes work. I know if that answered your question a little bit, but to be well like read, it, it's so much information. So you probably won't grasp all of it or understand it, but feel like the more information you have about the things that are important, either way you move, is very valuable. So I knew very little when I moved. And I can imagine that, you know, you search for jobs. It can be on LinkedIn or, you know, specific companies, uh, career pages, and you apply for a job, you know, you, you get it. And then, you know, you're, wow, I'm moving great. But there are just so many factors I feel like that you kind of forget. So it's all, you know, all the, the small stuff that is big. You know, if a Swede moves to another European country, um, you know, you have to think about, you know, secure social security system. You can't be, you know, registered in two. So are you keeping the ones in Sweden? Or, you know, are you deregistering from Sweden to register in another country? 
moving to Sweden, it's the same thing. Uh, if you're from an EU country, uh, and if you're not, you know, from if you're from a non-EU country moving to Sweden, you also you know have immigration processes. Um, there are different things, you know, and it's, yeah, you would know. <laughs> I mean, only by a couple of years. I'm not EU, but my passport still says European Union, and will do yeah. until 2028. But yeah, just you know, to be well read upon things and i do i do think that you know having relocation support um either through your company or you know an organization like a company such as the one i work for um it is quite valuable especially i mean it's not only somebody that can give you that can explain how it works but also why does it work that way i mean in Sweden, why do you have to visit the tax office three times? And why do you have to visit the bank three times before you have the Swedish ID card? Everything is so connected. And I can imagine that it's quite overwhelming, you know, going on the net and then searching everything. And you're you're going to be so confused. So I think, you know, having somebody, if you know somebody who's lived somewhere, um, that would be valuable just to check, you know, what, what you need. Um, it can be quite a stressful stressful process I think yeah one thing that helped me with Sweden was I had my colleague Victor who was basically my like surrogate in terms of my post my postal went to his house because I lived in like a uh, temporary accommodation and then any official document was always in Swedish it never had an English translation so I was trying to use like the bank portal that handles banking and it never translated that part of the thing so I was like am I sending this to the right place? Like, cause I was sending money back home and I was like, I don't know what it's saying. And then I was pushing, I guess pushing, uh, kept pushing cancel rather than next. Cause in England, like cancels on the left and next would be the bottom right. But in Sweden, it was reversed. It would fall. Like, it was like, that must be cancelled. I'm not yep. going to push that one. And then I kept having to redo the same document. Um, <laughs> and then same with like Skattersverket and everything. It was all, in in Swedish and then you know you you try and say like yep. hey hey or hemadu or something and then people suddenly start speaking to you in Swedish so I'm like that's the limit of my Swedish <laughs> is this that and I can ask for some food <laughs> but um yeah it was I mean it's it's quite a funny thing that you mentioned that you know everything all documents are in Swedish and that you know you would assume that you could get it in English as well but um anything you know you get your um letter from the your insurance company everything you know everything is in swedish um you get you know from the social insurance and everything is in swedish and it's also a little bit limited if you you know if you were to you know google yourself so you could have you know one page of you know information in english but when you need to dig deeper into things that are of concern um for for you as an individual you notice quite quickly that there's a limit to how how much is actually being said in in english definitely yeah and i have kivra or kivra the online post service thing and i keep getting emails from them yeah but it's never in english and it's not an option to like translate so i just screenshot and then send it to my swedish friend like is this important okay cool and then (laughs) Obviously, so, some words I do know, and I've picked out themes, but 
I mean, if I if I missed the word inter on something, I could think it's something positive or negative because I've not seen that there's a not <laughs> in front of it uh, or behind it. So it's uh, yeah. that was quite quite a baptism of fire because I was paying for my house insurance still like two months after I'd left. And I was like, I don't need this anymore. Why am I still paying like 80 crowns a month for something I don't need? I know. And that's the thing. Like you need to cancel. Can't. You need to cancel everything in Sweden as well. And you're like, how do I, okay, I got, it was a process of getting it. Now, how am I canceling things? Do I have to call? Who do I email? Um, you know, you can do it if you have mobile bank ID. You can mostly do it there, but then you need to navigate all the Swedish uh, in between to be able to, you know, cancel subscriptions or whatever it might be. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I guess going forward then for yourself would do you, do you plan to live anywhere else or is kind of sweden now where you where you want to stay or? i don't know uh i don't know if you know i should say this but i think i'm a little bit pickier uh with where i would live i would definitely be open to moving if i had <laughs> if i had um the opportunity i think i would be very open to move um i am one of those people that you know spontaneously like to to move around um but i think it would be have to be you know a great opportunity and something that i really really would like to do um i am such a family person and i live you know abroad twice um i think the only thing that would you know make me make me stay here now is the fact that i really really enjoy my job um the one i have right now and i also have my family here so I feel content, but yeah, that's not to say that if somebody, you know, would present me with another opportunity, uh, I would definitely take it. I think, I think it's very valuable to live somewhere else. Even, you know, you should try it. think that people, if they do have the opportunity, you will learn so much about other people, other cultures, yourself. Um, you can always move back if you don't like it. That's sort of a little bit my motto. Um, can always move back, but having the opportunity i think everybody should take in yeah, completely i think i kind of echo your you can always move back obviously circumstances might not be yeah. perfect for some people who obviously are escaping certain things but you know most people who choose to live abroad and go through the you know, kind of circumstances that we've gone through is yeah you, you can go home home is yeah. still existing uh, which is always quite nice and it's quite a security uh in certain ways Obviously, it can be expensive to get home, but once you've got home, then you can kind of go back to something you're used to. It's, it's interesting that a lot of Swedes seem to be quite family-orientated as well, I've noticed. Uh, I don't know if that's a cultural thing, or because people seem to live not far from where their families are, unless you've moved from Hueleftia and gone to Malmo or something. But... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can definitely, yeah, definitely see that. Um, I don't think I would move to another country, you know, a cold country. I joke that I'm not made to live in Sweden and Swedish weather. Um, I'm more, you know, think I was, you know, more destined for like Taiwanese, Indonesian weather climate. You know, everything on the Asian side would be, you know, perfect for me. <laughs> I guess you're saying um, warm, warm climates then you would prefer to to cold so maybe malmo or scorner could be somewhere you'd move to because they're warm right i think i think they're slightly slightly warmer 
But you know, you've been in Sweden now, and you spent winter here. With Denmark. And Denmark, you know, you know when sort of October, November comes in Sweden, and you barely see the sun. Like from all day, like it's, you know, the sun rises at nine, and then you know it sets at three, and it's just gray all day. Uh, I think that that would motivate me to just move somewhere else with a little bit more you know sun hours um d- during the day because we 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 don't have many october till february <laughs> no you're you're right I, I did find it really interesting when i was i'd be like walking around a park or in um uh Lindholmen and you there's if it's the sun's out and it's lunchtime you just see all like swedes just sitting there like looking towards I, the sun and everyone's yeah. facing the same way it's like the solar panels you know just finding the optimum position to get the most energy from it uh maybe that's why you're so uh sustainable as a country because you all like obviously adore the sun so much so we're uh vitamin d deprived here i would say <laughs> for a couple of months but, um did have a lot of supplements um yeah i don't know if it's how it is in the I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but here um, it is quite dark, actually, winter. Cold as well. Rains a lot. We, it's very similar, I think. Um, but we do get I mean, half an hour more per day, which I noticed. But the main thing is socially. So it's okay if it's dark. In England, you can still go out. People will still be out and socializing all the time, no matter what time of year it is. In Sweden... <laughs> I could walk for like an hour and see one person. And when I went to, um, I went to the Bruce Springsteen concert and I was like, I've seen more people at this concert than I did the entire winter. <laughs> I don't know, I went to way out west and it was a similar thing. Like there's more people here than I knew existed. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that is very true. Swedish people come out when the sun comes out and then, then you know, they, they stay at home <laughs> when October comes. I really, still really, really enjoyed my time in Sweden and learned a lot about the culture, a lot about the, and, you know, it's it's definitely something which I'll take with me and I've got great friends from there. Uh, I've met some amazing people like yourself who've, you know, helped me along the way and now shared your story and, and your advice, which, you know, very grateful for. Thank you for for agreeing to do this and giving me some time on a Sunday morning. I know it's probably not the the usual thing you do on a Sunday, but I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate, um, yeah, everything you've, you've done for me on a, on a personal side as well. Help me move back. Um, which yeah, it's been wonderful. I know you've helped some of my colleagues as well. Um, so I'm sure they're equally as grateful as I am. Yeah. And as always, if, if you did find something interesting in this podcast, then please, you know, let us know on social media. Obviously we have, uh, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, everything you can have. <laughs> There's something yeah. for this podcast. <laughs> Not to say I'm very good at updating it all. Like my, my Twitter or X, as it's now called, is probably lacking a lot of engagement, which I need to work on. But, you know, it's still open if people wish to get in touch. Um, I don't know if you want to share anything about yeah, your side of it. Was no, thank you so much for having me. This was really cool. I mean, this is this is one of the things that I do love about my job. 
uh, I get to meet, you know, incredible people and do podcasts on Sundays, uh, which I probably would not have had the opportunity to do. And I think it, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's, yeah, I definitely hope that there can be some, you know, takeaways for people considering moving um, to Sweden, from Sweden, um, from my story a little bit, but yeah, yeah, definitely, um, I'll definitely promote the podcast. I already did it at work. I was like, oh, <laughs> James has a podcast. I'm attending. They were super, super excited. So I'll make sure. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I'll make sure to share. I think, I think people can take, um, take some valuable lessons with them um, from the podcast. Definitely. Right. Yeah, and anyone who's like, you know, you're helping to move, just use it as part of your like material for for moving. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. But I don't I can't exactly. do anything. Go listen to this podcast. It's very good. It's you know It's amazing. It's getting there. I think I, I was amateur especially the first few episodes where my audio was really, really bad. I think I've got a way of getting it better. Uh but it's a learning curve and I've accepted that. <laughs> As we've seen with the with the just, recording, I, can be yeah. difficult. I was just about to say, you can't be perfect at everything, and you do need to know, like, you need to learn to get better. That's how you evolve in everything. Dude, I do wish I was perfect at everything. I'm sure everyone does as well. Probably, we're we're, we're all human, you know. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I guess thank you for your time, and we'll see you next time for the Expat Pod.